Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. You know, I've, I've actually been enjoying what I've been reading so far in your book. And obviously, I can't wait. Um, to, especially here in Australia and with my friends. <laughs> like, I'm literally reading it and I'm thinking of specific people I need to get it to. So, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and in our last discussion, we were talking about, you know, the image of God. And something that I found beautiful in general about our idea and view of ourselves as human beings is that we are all each individually made in the image of God. Everything about me is a reflection of, you know, how great and wonderful and loving God is. And I guess that sort of brings me to the point about gender, because I, I feel like this is a huge contention, especially in the church mm. um, and even in society in general. But I guess for us, having that lens of being Christians and Adventists, um, it, you know, it just creates a bit more of a contention with um, our people <laughs> mm. in our churches. Um, when we think about, okay, if, we th- if we're talking about Eden, if we're talking about being created in the image of God, the Bible seems to be, well, for me anyway, until I started reading your book, um, the Bible seems to be very specific that male and female, yet, you know, you and I will be the first ones to acknowledge that there that there's more than that when it comes to gender. Mm. And I guess that's the question. Genesis seems to be very specific that God created us male and female. And not only is that very specific that it's male and female, but it also seems to indicate that they are things that cannot be changed. Mm. How do you sort of, not necessarily get around that, but how do you um, come to terms with that and what you actually believe? I recently read a book that is um, by someone really, really popular um, person who does not believe that transgender people should I should identify as, you know, transgender as as the gender that they have an internal sense of being Um, and the main point that he made which is really the main point that you have to make is that when god created gender that gender was determined by a person's external genitalia and i think that that i mean that's what the argument essentially is right that um your gender is defined by your external physical genitalia. Mm. But does it really say that? Mm. <laughs> God, God, you know, God created them in his, God created him in his image, male and female. He created them. Mm. Um, where is that? I don't, mm. I don't see, I don't see it saying what it specifically means to yeah. be male and female. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of an idea that, well, one is psychological and one is physiological, but there is abundant evidence that we all have an internal neurological sense of our gender identity. There's been a lot of studies on people, for example, who um, whose genitalia was 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 mistakenly altered at birth, mm-hmm. and who were raised like who were who were who were born with male genitalia and that was accidentally destroyed and 
and then they i know it's awful right mm. and then they like raised them as female and didn't tell them and then the results were absolutely miserable i mean mm. we're talking about um people who just knew that they were female and despite the fact of how they were raised and 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 all and all that and given hormones and everything so there is like something it's not like we don't have our gender identity just because of how we were socialized mm. it's not it's not like something that is just because oh i look and see <laughs> i look and see what my anatomy is and so that's how i know what gender i am like yeah. like no like if your anatomy was different and your brain wasn't different you would still feel like the same gender you are and if that's the case who are we to look at transgender people and say i give no validity to your to what you're saying about about the message your brain is sending you about your gender mm. i'm not going to listen to that mm. if i can't see it and verify it externally i don't believe it like who are we to say that mm. yeah you know look on the outward appearance right <laughs> yeah like like the bible is not <laughs> the bible does not determine gender based on external genitalia and to say that that was something the author intended to say by saying mm. in the image of god he created him male and female he created them to say that oh yeah what the author was actually trying to communicate there was that our gender is determined by our genitalia yeah. and it can't be changed and neurological gender is not relevant because we can't confirm it by any kind of other study and so we have to go by the external genitalia. That's what God commanded. Like you have to supply so much additional information to what the Bible says in order to come to that conclusion. And the idea that that's what the original author intended, that that's what the original author meant for us to get out of that. I think it's just a really big stretch, a really big stretch. You've, you've talked a bit about how the genitalia from a biblical perspective, uh, doesn't necessarily define the gender, but it still seems to be a, a distinction between the male and the female. Do you think there is room for the sort of the non-binary in the biblical account as well? Yeah, I have two things to think about when we answer when we ask that question. One is what it means to be created in the image of God, and the other relates to the non-binary nature of creation itself. So mm. first, let's look at what this says. It says, in the image of God, they created him. They being God. It's using the plural to describe God here. In the image of God, they created him. And him is the Greek, or the Hebrew rather, Adam, which just means humankind. So it's a, mm. it's it's like a a, a singular a collective singular mm -hmm. right like if you were to say humanity it's representing a lot of people but it's singular that's why you get kind of the word adam itself basically represents humanity so that's why you get he created him and yet it's representing all of humanity so in the image of god they created him male and female they created them so they're all Male and female are both in the image of God. So whatever it is to be male and whatever it is to be female, that itself is all contained in what it means to be God. Mm. Now, I, again, do not think 
that this text is trying to say that God has male genitalia and female genitalia. Mm. Mm. Like, I, like I think we can all There's agree on that, right? Mm. Right? Like the the incarnation of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus took a human body. Jesus did not have a human body before the incarnation. Yeah. That's why the incarnation was such a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whatever it is to be male and whatever it is to be female, that's not something that is um, just determined by the genitalia. You know, some mm. people say, and I feel that this to some degree is a stretch, but a bit more of an understandable stretch, say that, well, what was meant by that was that humans have the ability to procreate and create just like God did. Um, mm. I, I feel that if procreation was what was meant by the image of God, then Jesus would not have been the greatest representation of the image of God. Mm. Uh, I, it seems to me that the image of God, again, just means that we're God's children, that God loves us, and and that God made us in God's image um, because we are God's children. And it's the foundation of why we love God and why we love one another, because that makes us all of humanity and as all creation really one family. Um, now, of course you could say, well, can it mean both? And, and I mean, maybe it could, but it doesn't mean that all humans have to procreate. And, and even if it did mean that all people should procreate or try to procreate, which they seem to actually believe in the old Testament, you don't really have people who aren't married unless they're eunuchs or like Jeremiah are specifically commanded by God not to get married as an illustration of something that was happening with Israel. Like mm. these are really unique situations. Other than that, Everybody gets married in the Old Testament. There's not like celibacy in the yeah. Old Testament, right? So that they did, you know, even though they did kind of seem to do that in the Old Testament, that's not that that's not something they seem to do so much in the New Testament. But even if you do say, oh, that must mean procreation, it, it can't just mean that on an individual level. Because the only people who have children, again, only people who have children are really close to God. Mm. And then you have Daniel in the Old Testament and and you have Jesus in the New Testament, you know, and it's just it, it, it's something that you have a hard time kind of fitting and squaring with the Bible. And plus, when Paul advocates celibacy, he doesn't say, now, I know you probably think from Genesis chapter one that celibacy isn't OK because in the garden they procreated like, but it's OK because X, Y, Z. Like, no, he doesn't go through that process. Like, He yeah. doesn't seem to think like it's a problem either, you know, so um yeah, so I, so I just I just feel that some of these kind of any of these ways of of, of trying to make Genesis one twenty seven say this just don't really they, to me they just don't really work and they're not really consistent. So if God is creating Adam and Eve in His image, male and female, what is the gender of God though? Mm. Like this is a real. <laughs> what about god it doesn't obviously mean god has genitalia so probably that's not what it means for humans to be created in the image of god either like probably it doesn't like so god is both male and female right whatever you know maleness and femaleness are both are both in god mm. so 
I mean, a way that we express that oftentimes in the LGBTQ community is to say that God is non-binary. Yeah. Like God isn't clearly male or clearly female. And you see this in the Bible. Um, Adonai is a female representation of God. Mm. Um, and the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament is referred to with female pronouns. So, you know, you you see this represented in the Bible, although English translations usually cover that up yeah. to a quite a strong degree. So, yeah, so this uh, this is a powerful statement on the value of women within patriarchal cultures, many of whom believe that, you know, men are really human and women are kind of deformed humans. I mean, that's kind of an mm. awful way to put it, but a lot of cultures have believed something similar to that, yeah. deformed or, or, or lesser or more similar to children than adults. Yeah. So this is really quite a powerful statement to say that women are in the image of God says something about women and also something about God that I think we could all stand to learn. That's one thing. The second thing is that, and we, we started to talk about this a little bit last time, is that the creation story as the beginning, it says what, what it says is good is really good, but it's not everything that is good. Mm, mm. It, it has Adam and Eve as a couple. I mean, we'll say married, even though the word marriage doesn't appear in that text. Yeah. But it, it has Adam and Eve together in this relationship, but that's not the only thing that's good. Celibacy, we find out later, is good. Mm. Um, again, with no explanation of why it's good, even though it didn't exist in Eden, because the authors of the Bible didn't seem to have a problem with that. Um, so celibacy is also good. Um, if you look at the creation story, it, it talks about the things that are created, but it but it doesn't explain every possibility of creation it says mm. the creatures of the land and the creatures of the sea well there's amphibians which ones are they are they the creatures of the sea or the creatures of the land like mm. part of their life they're one of those and part of their life they're another so they're not really covered it talks about you know separating the dry land from the waters well you have islands that rise up in the waters you have springs of water and lakes and streams on the dry land like like this might sound a little bit like pedantic almost but like seriously we tend to skip these things over yeah. when we think that they're simple and we just kind of naturally fill in the gaps and then when it comes to this we don't realize we've been filling in the gaps all along yeah. and now all of a sudden we're going to stop filling in the gaps and say nope yeah <laughs> <laughs> now this explains every single thing this yeah. one chapter in the bible explains every single possibility of all creation of gender for all time even though it doesn't explain all creation of land and water or of animals of the land or of animals of the water or of times of day you know mm. it speaks of the sun ruling by day and the moon ruling by night and it there's sunset and there's there's sunrise and these these times aren't exactly qualified um it's just yes yeah, it's, it's not this super rigid mathematical thing that mm. we want to say it is there's moonless nights too mm. it says the moon rules by night you know there's eclipses in the middle of the day it's it's 
it's not like, oh, there's an eclipse. That's Satan. Yeah. That was never in God's <laughs> original creation. You know? Yeah. Actually, to be honest, it's back just... in the day, that's probably the way they saw it. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Like, who done it? Good... Who's been sitting? That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but we've grown <laughs> yeah. as a species and realized yeah. that that wasn't Satan. And um, it's time we do that with other things, too. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'm just listening to you and that's the beautiful thing about this conversation. Mm. You know, once we stop and start really thinking and taking the time and just thinking about these things, it just adds so much beauty, not only to the world, but the way we see ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, God made the day, he separated the day and the night. And then we think about actually there's dusk and dawn. And that's usually one of the most beautiful times of the day. The colors that have that just come out. Um, Absolutely. Not so much keen on the amphibians, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> but the beauty that just comes out of it. And as you were speaking, I was reminded of um, two quotes from Ellen White. Um, and this whole thing about, you know, understanding the word of God, but also realizing some of the things that have often been shrouded in i guess mystery because we we haven't probably reached a stage where we've been able to comprehend what it is and mm. those two quotes are and i did not write exactly which books they're from um but i'll put it in the description when we put this out and the first one is whenever the people of god are growing in grace they will constantly obtain a clearer understanding of his word they will discern new light and beauty mm. in its sacred truths um mm. and the next one being the fact needs to be emphasized and often repeated that the mysteries of the Bible are not such because God has sought to conceal truth, but because our own weakness or ignorance makes us incapable of comprehending or appropriating truth. Mm. Um, wow. And so when I'm thinking, when I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking about all of the beauty that's coming out of Genesis, even in this short discussion, you know, it just reminds me of that, that when we take the time to listen and to learn, we, we will see more of these beautiful things. And yeah, it's just blows, mm. it just blows my mind just how beautiful mm -hmm. God is in all of this. And I think mm. it, it's interesting how when you, yeah, when you just talk about it, you start to realize how crazy it is that we can read that creation account and we can read God created the day and the night and we don't even have to think think about the fact that there is an in-between it's just kind of accepted we just know that and yet mm -hmm. when we get to the end of that account and we read male and female our our first thought as christians is to see that as oh there's nothing in between um it's mm -hmm. just it's really interesting how um historical views and just the way that we have been taught to read the text can really blind us from seeing those obvious contradictions when you actually point them out. Mm. Um, and I think that's just beautiful. It's anxiety too, um, looking for a clear answer in uncertainty mm. tends to make us look at things in a more rigid way mm. and, and fear any kind of a new interpretation mm -hmm. or, or a new, um, you know, any, any kind of new way of looking at the text that um, isn't like 
black and white words on paper, mm. um, plain meaning of the text, you know, and any anxiety makes us seek clarity. Mm. 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 So, so I think that's a big part of what happens as well. Yeah. And I think often we can also just be, for some reason, so afraid of what is not mentioned or not referred to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so again, dusk and dawn aren't necessarily referred to in there. And yet through time, through history, we've learned that that's just perfectly normal. So nothing to be afraid of or worried there. Um, but now there's sort of no question as to whether or not they're okay. And yet when it comes to these non-binary genders or uh, maybe even non-heterosexual relationships, mm-hmm. we seem to get so concerned that they're not referred to. The, the absence of them right. in scripture, for some reason, makes us afraid of them. And yet there is so much that is absent from scripture. Yeah. And I think it's this idea um, that somehow a same-sex relationship will take away from a heterosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. Like... That, that some way by having same-sex marriage, you're somehow downgrading heterosexual marriage. I have a hard time really understanding that, mm. but, but that seems to be a pretty common um, idea that's, that's, that's kind of thrown about. But I don't see why same-sex marriage would be any more of a threat than celibacy. Um, mm. You know, to two men who are celibate, why why is that not hurting marriage? But then if they get married now, that's hurting marriage. I just I have a I have a hard time understanding that. Um, I think that's kind of central and key, though, is this kind of fear that if we let same sex married uh, couples get married, that we're really going to undermine the institution of marriage itself. And um I just, I don't, like, how is, what's the mechanism for that happening? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Um, and, and um, I'd like to draw actually a parallel with um, the Sabbath in creation, because this is something we as Adventists in particular tie together the Sabbath at creation yeah. with the marriage and say, these are the twin institutions that God established in creation is marriage and the Sabbath. Well, I I like to describe creation as telling us what is good, but not the full list of everything that's good, not the full story of everything that's good. So um, the Sabbath created in Genesis 2, right there at the beginning, what, what what does that, what's the significance of the Sabbath being created and the Sabbath being good. Well, the significance is that the Sabbath would continue to be good Mm. for all time and that it was created good and that it remains good and that that never leaves it. Now, that does not mean that the Sabbath, that there's any activity that we do on the Sabbath that is forbidden on any other day. We can mm. come to church on any other day and we can pray on any other day. We can rest on any other day. Um, any of the things that we do on the Sabbath, we can actually do on any other day. Mm. And you might say, well, but we can't call those other days the Sabbath. 
Well, in the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to keep lots of days that were called the Sabbath, that were mm, not the yeah. seventh day Sabbath. So it's <laughs> it's really to say, sometimes we say that the Sabbath was replaced by, sun, by Sunday, and that hides something, which is that there's actually nothing wrong with worshiping God on Sunday. Mm. There's... <laughs> There's actually nothing in the Bible that says you can't go to church on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We Adventists should get much better at celebrating Easter mm, than we are yeah. <laughs> and celebrating the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but what you don't do is you don't stop the Sabbath. That that goodness that was yeah. established as the seventh day Sabbath should always remain. Yeah. And that's the that's the problem. Not that we were worshiping God on Sundays, but that we weren't worshiping God on the Sabbath day, mm. the seventh day Sabbath. That's that's the problem. That's when the actual commandment is broken. Mm. Is when you stop actually keeping the seventh day Sabbath. And we know that the Sabbath as an institution is one that everyone is meant to participate in. Mm. It's it's supposed to be for everybody, that we keep it as a community. It's supposed to be a communal day. Mm. Anyway, we have already actually decided a long time ago that not everyone has to participate in the institution of marriage. Mm. Mm. So it's not like Sabbath in that way. You don't undermine it because you don't you don't personally participate in what was described in Genesis, which is a heterosexual coupling. Mm. Of course, again, the word marriage doesn't show up in Genesis. So, so we've already decided not everybody has to be heterosexually married and, and that that's not a threat to the existence of marriage. So a same-sex couples do not take away from the goodness of the institution of marriage. We're not against marriage. We're not trying to stop heterosexuals from getting married. <laughs> um, we just don't want gay people to marry someone of the opposite gender, <laughs> which is yeah. actually really good for marriage also. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye. Bye.